raindrop reflecting on the water as the sun shuts her eyes. Don't know why you uncover. Watch the tide rolling with the moonlight. Everything is silent on this wheezy piano night. You are listening to Missing Magnolias, Scarlett and Michelle here. We are here to discuss the case of Ariel Sellers, a six-year-old Hawaiian girl who is believed was murdered and tortured by her adopted parents. Recently, through court documents, we have learned that she was kept in a dog cage with duct tape on her mouth and nose and that she was being starved. Ariel has not been located. These adopted parents are being held without bond. Police believe that Ariel was murdered sometime in August. However, she was reported missing by these adopted parents on September 13th. New information led to an arrest. This has been earth-shattering for Ariel's biological parents as well as the Oahu community. Here with us today, we have an everyday citizen who is known as Sleuth Mom and who has been really garnering awareness around Ariel's case. So welcome, Sleuth Mom. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. First off, tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in this case. I originally heard about Ariel Sellers is what I'm going to refer to her as. Newspapers are going to say Isabella Kalua. However, that is her adoptive name. And I don't feel like she should have that name. If I say Ariel, that's who I'm talking about. I originally heard about her case on our local radio station, Our church ministry runs a radio station for just our local community, and we have a missionary in Hawaii. During his closing prayers, he had mentioned, please pray for the missing girl. I immediately, being a true crime sleuth, looked her up to see what was going on. Her Facebook group had less than 40 individuals in it. There was only a couple news clippings, just very brief articles about her. There was no real attention getting shown onto her case, and they had just halted searches. This was September 21st, where I first heard about her. What about this case inspired you to start this momentum that you've gained? I think for me, with my YouTube channel, my goal was to bring to light the cases that nobody really pays attention to. There's all of these children and missing people in the background. They don't get the media attention. They don't get social media attention. And most cases just get, here's their flyer. And then nobody asks any more questions. They just put the little prayer hands up, go praying that you find them. Then that's it. You don't ever hear about it again. I made my YouTube channel because I really wanted the cases in the background. At least let's make a video about them. Let's put their names out there. Let there be content so that if people are searching or looking for information about them, that there's at least something that they can pull up. So Ariel was reported missing. It didn't feel right to me. Foster kids especially get very, very little attention because there's the whole social media policy. There's very little pictures of them, very little information. Foster kids as a whole get ignored by local media. So I just wanted to make sure that her case was getting coverage. About two videos in, her biological family started reaching out to me because they were thrilled that somebody was taking the time to notice that their Ohana was missing. That's how we got to where we are. Wow. I mean, I love that you bring up such important issues that we've talked about. 
some of my own research reflect our kiddos who are runaways or who have been in the foster care system are largely ignored. They sort of blamed for their own deviancy or we apply deviancy to their behaviors in bizarre ways that we don't do for kids living in the typical average family. So fantastic that you raise these issues and that you decided to just do something. When we talk to families, we hear about how important it is for them to feel like people still care because they largely feel ignored by the justice system and by the general public, especially when they see those high profile, typically white women who go missing. Those cases getting so much attention in direct contrast to these individuals that we're talking about today. So thanks for contextualizing that for us. How was it to have the biological family reach out to you? I would assume that that was something you were not necessarily prepared for. I really wasn't. And I was hoping they would, because like I said, the details just weren't there. There was details about the search, but not so much about her life, the type of child she was, more pictures. We have gained so many pictures of her because of them coming and just speaking on her behalf. I have really worked with them to share the details that they want made public. I don't want to take this opportunity to bash their background or bring a media circus onto why or what happened four or five years ago before she ended up in care, but to highlight the good moments of her childhood and to really show who she is as a person so that people can connect with her on an emotional level. We want to start Ariel's Law and make sure that things change for her. And this is all stuff that the biological family were working together We've gotten connections with senators and everybody else now so that we can continue to push this and highlight this in the directions that we need it to go to make a real change. A lot of the information that has come to light is because of the pressure that this family is putting on the community and putting on the police department, putting on the media, everything so that they can keep this in the light. Wow. And I think if we could backpedal a minute and maybe you could explain a little bit more about Ariel's law and, and what that would do. But this case, it's so surprising that it hasn't gained more national attention. It's such a horrible case of child abuse. And what's really striking is how that I don't know if it's even fair to say, but there were instances of possible abuse that the public was able to zero in on. There were videos of maybe not child neglect, but maybe something that would have warranted better parenting. But I have read that's come out that there were three instances of possible abuse that didn't really lead to the Honolulu Police Department. I guess a disconnect between Child Protective Services and the Honolulu Police Department. Can you talk a little bit about Ariel's Law and just about how this case can kind of shine light on having a better earlier intervention? Yeah, absolutely. So Ariel was removed from her biological mother's home because of drug addiction. Instead of working with her to get her into a rehab program and different things like that, they put her into this foster home. Whenever they put her into the foster home, her mother was still getting visitation. And during her visit, she was noticing that Ariel constantly had bruises. She was always complaining that she was hungry. And it was just a constant battle with her caseworkers, like telling them over and over again, you know, my daughter is being hurt. What is going on? The more that she pushed for them to look into this, they started to lessen visitation and eventually stripped her of her parental rights. During this time that we've been looking into this case, I also have had a preschool teacher come to me and let me know that she had also reported abuse 
multiple times to CWS workers before Ariel was pulled out of preschool. It's been documented multiple times, the things that were happening to her. And then recently in the news media, we found out that somebody outside of those two individuals had also seen Lehua punching, kicking, and starving Ariel over a six-week period. And they called HPD, and HPD closed the case within 24 hours. They never even looked into it. They passed it on to caseworkers and shut the books. And so what we want is to make sure that, number one, cases are being completely investigated. It should never be closed in a 24-hour period like that. With Ariel's Law, part of what we want to focus on, too, is the background checks. Isaac Kalua, who is allegedly involved in this murder of her, actually has felony backgrounds. He has terroristic threats and felony assaults. So whenever you look at that, we're looking at a child who was beaten and starved to death, and we put her into a home that was supposed to be better for her, but he has assaults in his background. And we're finding out now that Lehua was primarily the abuser, but he was also involved. And so it's like if we would have never put her in this home that had this in their background to begin with, she could still be here and still be safe. So we want to push to change laws to make sure that stuff like this does not slip through the cracks. There's no reason that a background check wouldn't have showed that he had felonies in his background. We need to make sure that these children are going to safe homes if they're going to be removed from their family. So Ariel's Law, we want to make it about sterner background checks and more investigation into family to see who could take the child in the situation where they are removed. For example, her grandmother was never even reached out to whenever she went into foster care. And that's Grandma Julie, who is fighting for custody now. She went through a long list of relatives that had never even been contacted before getting put into this violent offender's home. When you say custody, there's still other siblings that are in custody of these adopted parents, or do we know their whereabouts at this time? She has an older sister and two younger siblings that were also in the home with her. They are all currently in separate homes. They are not being housed together. Right now, there is a custody battle ongoing to see where these children are going to end up. That's something that we are trying to help advocate and push for so that they can go to their biological family rather than get put into a home with another stranger, potentially. For me, it just reminds us of how little we support our child welfare system in our society. It seems to be over and over and over again, we're hearing about really big signs of abuse being ignored. Whenever you look at CPS's system, I really feel like the workers themselves should have to undergo counseling, this has to take a a toll on your emotional state. Maybe if we did something like that, we wouldn't see so many good workers leave the field. Family first laws were passed in 2018, but most states do not have them enacted. Um, Hawaii is one of those states where it is considered a failed legislation. So they're still using the outdated laws, the outdated system. And instead of providing help to these parents, so that they can get on their feet and get established and keep their children if it's not an abusive situation. I want to stress she was never physically abused in her home. Her mother did have a drug habit, but she had never been hurt. She was always fed. She was always cared for. You look at a situation where her mom potentially could have went to a rehabilitation program. They have them 
where you can take your children. You can be under supervised care. Your children would be cared for and you can go to rehab. And she could have kept her children with her. But this is something that Hawaii doesn't even offer. With a case like this, it seemed like there were so many opportunities to intervene. How many people in retrospect now say, I wish I had said something. I, I noticed something was off, but I didn't say anything. Has anyone come forward or have you gotten the sense of that people have also maybe a guilt of not saying anything? Yeah, so there was actually a person who came to me and she said, you know, Sleuth Mom, I seen the abuse. I seen her with bruises. I noticed that she was always hungry, but I just brushed it off because these parents were church going parents and they were so well known in their community that whenever they told this person that she had an eating disorder and that she had been abused in her prior home, that they took her word for it. So they said that she was self-inflicting injuries on herself, that she was in counseling and that her eating disorder was causing malnourishment and causing her to bruise easy. This is the combination of things that they had told this individual that was rather close to them. And so she just brushed it off and ignored it because she thought, why would my friend lie to me? Obviously, this child is sickly and something happened. And they had said horrible things happened in her past. So anytime that she's seen her having outburst or any type of weird situations, she just completely brushed it off. And do we know of any motive for what's going on in this situation? Why was she singled out over the other children? Do we have any information or a sense of the context of this? There were rumors going around that Lehua may have been biologically related to the two younger children via her brother. However, that's not true. We do know by DNA tests now that that is not the case. However, whenever the children were placed, it would be the middle youngest was there first. Ariel and her older sister were actually with their grandmother, Barb, in the beginning. However, CWS removed them from Grandma Barb and put them with their younger sister at the Kalua's house. The abuse started right away. It was within that first six months that the first case was called into police. You look at that and Big Sis is now saying that they were systematically abused the entire time. And any time that she tried to help Ariel, she was also duct taped. She was also abused. It seemed to me like she never wanted the older two. She just wanted the babies. And that's unfortunate because if that's the case, instead of abusing them and tying them up and locking them in crates and all of those things, she could have very easily gave them back. CWS would have taken them back. You look at the financial side of things, they are heavily in debt. They have both declared bankruptcy. Could they afford to lose that check that they were getting from Ariel and her older sister? I don't know. You've had a missing child to a homicide. What's the Wahoos community feeling now? What has been expressed to me is they're still outraged. They're completely outraged that this happened in their community. They're outraged that their local law enforcement didn't step in. And they're completely appalled with CWS because not only did they fail her, but then after failing her, we started this Facebook group. We have the YouTube channel Sleuth Mom. And they actually had CWS workers commenting in the Facebook group and commenting on the YouTube videos negative things about the biological family. Meanwhile, their organization as a whole was saying no comment. 
they want the family first legislation that should have been in place to be enacted in Hawaii. Absolutely. Yes. And, and that's just some bizarre social media behavior, which is not the first time we've come upon something like that, but definitely crossing some boundaries. Can you tell us what the future looks like for Ariel's Law, what the details are, or what we expect to happen, and how people can help out if they're interested? There is somebody currently working on writing legislation. They want child murders to be first degree in their state. Currently, right now, they are only looking at second degree charges. So that is something that they are in the process of writing with one of the senators is to get this to be a bill that they can get passed making child murders first degree, which that legislation exists in a lot of states already. And then the other part is they are working on a law about CWS and their background checks. Like I said, she went into a house where there was known felons. Is there any misconceptions you'd like to correct about this case? Honestly, not really. The things that have been put out have been pretty clear about what happened. I guess the only thing would be to say she was not abused in her biological family's home. And that is something that the adoptive family consistently tried to put out to say, no, this happened because that's what they had been told by these monsters who were harming her. She was never physically, sexually abused in her biological family's care. She was a healthy, happy little girl, and her parents had an addiction. So many children die in foster care and through adoption. It's obscene. That just shows you how broken this system is. Absolutely, yes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I've spent a little bit of time in Hawaii, and I can only say that I can't imagine what this has done to the community. It reminds me of Southwest Louisiana, too, where we're all about community and families. Our thoughts go out to them. And thank you again for what you're doing and trying to raise awareness and lobby for reform. That's amazing. Again, you're just an ordinary citizen. So thank you again. No, thank you guys so much for having me on. Just come out and support this community. Support the missing children. I'm not a monetized YouTube channel. I am keeping it that way. I need the subscribers to help push this platform farther. Right now, I'm sitting at about 700 subscribers. So if you guys could help push that so that we can get these missing children out there more, that's what we're going for. I want to make sure that the small cases get covered too. These children all deserve attention and they deserve to have the light shown on them as well.